Andy Mayer on LBC. It's Friday at a quarter to five. It's Simon Marks's American Week. Eddie, America finds itself in a sadly familiar position tonight. Its government and its president totally outpaced by the latest developments in the battle against COVID-19. Almost two years into this nightmare, you'd think the penny might have finally dropped, especially when over there in merry old England, it's been evident that there's some Omicron trouble brewing. But let's turn the clock back just eight days to President Biden's public assurances last Thursday about the new variant. Regular listeners will remember he was pretty unfazed. We're going to get through this. We're going to make it through this. And uh, we're going to be okay, in my view. To be fair, looking back at my notes, at the time, I see Omicron had only been detected in 22 of America's 50 states. I suppose there was some loose possibility that the other 28 might somehow be able to hold out. But by Monday, it was absolutely apparent that Omicron was taking hold all over America, even if it wasn't featuring on the lips of the country's leaders or the lips of the country's reporters. At the White House press briefing on Monday, which lasted 36 minutes, the only question that was asked about the pandemic, which, remember, has now killed 800,000 Americans, came up at the 27-minute mark, and Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, actually made a bit of news. She indicated that the rollout of booster jabs, critical, of course, to offering people additional protection, was not going as well as they'd hoped. We've seen an uptick recently. It's not, as you said, nearly where it needs to be in terms of everybody eligible getting a booster shot. And we know that that can be protective in uh, against Delta, which is still the predominant variant here. But also we're seeing increased, it would be increased protection against Omicron, even as we learn more. Now, I'd like to tell you that the assembled White House correspondents pressed her over the disclosure that the booster campaign was running into trouble. But they didn't, so I can't. The next time we heard from the White House about Omicron was on Tuesday, when reporters decided it was time to see whether the Biden administration had any advice for Americans about the holiday season. Would all the traditional White House Christmas parties, for example, still be going ahead? Uh, we're celebrating the holidays here at the White House this year through a variety of ways. Uh, First Lady received the annual uh, arrival of the Christmas tree, of course. We're also going to be hosting uh, some holiday open houses, inviting guests to see the holiday decorations in per person in the coming days. Uh, of course, we're going to continue to implement COVID protocols. So it doesn't look exactly like it has always looked here, but we are going to continue to celebrate. So no guidance for the public on how to adjust to deal with Omicron on the cusp of one of the busiest travel seasons of the year. And every indication that anyone who fancies a gander at Joe Biden's gingerbread house in the East Room should form an orderly queue at the White House front door. The next time we heard about Omicron this week was Wednesday, a briefing by President Biden's COVID-19 response team. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the president's chief medical advisor, at least evinced that Omicron is causing a problem for America. We have a, an intense interest on the evolving scenario with Omicron. A number of studies have been done throughout the country and the world 
to take a look at how we might prepare in the context of vaccination. He said preliminary evidence in Britain was showing the booster shots were absolutely vital in battling the new strain, and he urged everyone to go out and get one. But then we heard from the political appointee heading up Joe Biden's COVID-19 team, Jeff Zients. In declarative words that he will undoubtedly come to regret, he indicated the US would be taking no additional measures whatsoever to protect the public from the variant spread. We have the tools to fight this virus, including Omicron, and we're in a very different and stronger place than we were a year ago, and there is no need to lock down. Um, We know how to keep our kids in school and our businesses open, and we're not going to shut down our economy in any way. We're going to keep our schools and our businesses Unfortunately for Mr. Zeintz, even as he was making that questionable claim, Americans were voting with their feet. Just four miles from the White House, one of the city's top private schools, where Joe Biden used to educate his own children, was sending all the kids home after 15 COVID cases arose from a single sleepover party. At Cornell University in New York, the main campus hosting 25,000 students was shut down after more than 900 of them tested positive virtually all of them fully vaccinated and some of them already boosted. New York University moved its end-of-term exams online only. Google told employees it was scrubbing a plan to require them finally to return to the office on January the 10th. Uber and the Ford Motor Company followed suit. And while all that was going on, President Biden himself was, not for the first time, spreading misinformation about the pandemic. If you haven't gotten your booster yet, Get the booster. There's overwhelming evidence that it protects you and protects you in an extreme way. He gave a series of interviews to several local television stations and in that appearance on Ohio's WHIO TV made entirely false claims about what vaccines can and cannot do. Everybody talks about freedom and not to have a, to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? So how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? Now, you can understand the president's frustration. After all, 40% of eligible Americans still haven't bothered to get a second shot of COVID-19 vaccine, much less a booster. But it is entirely false to suggest the vaccines prevent you from spreading the virus, which is exactly why the main campus at Cornell University is already shut down. Last night at the White House, the president convened his COVID-19 advisors for a crisis meeting. Reporters were allowed in the room at the start, but they were not allowed to ask any questions. Folks, I'm not going to take questions today because uh, I have a direct message to the American people. And tomorrow the team is going to be on television and talking in more detail about what I'm going to be speaking about today. But I want to send a direct message to the American people. Due to the steps we've taken, Omicron is not yet spread as fast as it would have otherwise done. But it's here now and it's spreading and it's going to increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. But booster shots work. Boosters are free, safe, and convenient. About 60 million people have one, have been boosted. 
So go get your shot today. There's nothing like an off-microphone statement to convey important messaging to the American people. So let's review. In the space of exactly a week, we've gone from... We're going to be okay, in my view. ...to... We are looking at a winter of severe illness and death. At the end of that brief statement, the White House reporters had a few questions for the president. Answers there were none as he sat stony-faced shuffling his briefing cards. Meanwhile, the president's supporters say they can't understand why his approval ratings are ending the year at record lows. But what's the alternative? Well, we got a glimpse of that this week as Congress continued its investigation of the January 6th insurrection on Capitol Hill by Donald Trump's violent conspiracy theory-believing supporters. Dozens of texts, including from Trump administration officials, urged immediate action by the president. That is Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney. In defiance of former President Donald Trump, she is playing a key role in efforts to hold him to account. She read a series of text messages sent to then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. He received them in real time on January the 6th as the violence unfolded on Capitol Hill, where Donald Trump's supporters were scouring the building and threatening to assassinate Vice President Mike Mike Pence for certifying that Joe Biden had won the presidential election. The texts sent by the president's own son and some of the most prominent hosts on Fox News reveal that the White House and its most prominent supporters absolutely knew the scale of the crisis developing on the Capitol's grounds. Here at length, Liz Cheney. Quote, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement? Ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, Quote, he's got to condemn this ASAP, Donald Trump Jr. texted. Meadows responded, quote, I'm pushing it hard. I agree. Still, President Trump did not immediately act. Donald Trump Jr. texted again and again, urging action by the president. Quote, we need an Oval Office address. He has to lead now. It has gone too far and gotten out of hand, end quote. But hours passed without necessary action by the president. It is devastating stuff. Mr. Meadows now faces a contempt of Congress criminal charge for refusing to testify publicly about why it took so long for the president to act. Over on Fox News, Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity, the primetime hosts who sent some of those texts, responded by yucking it up. I've got to compose myself. <clears throat> I don't think Liz Cheney likes us. I'm very. <laughs> I, don't she likes us. I don't think she likes us. She likes us either. But Mr. Hannity, on his program, then went further. I said to Mark Meadows the exact same thing I was saying live on the radio at that time and on TV that night on January 6th and well beyond January 6th. 
And by the way, where is the outrage in the media over my private text messages being released again publicly? Do we believe in privacy in this country? Apparently not. Where is the outrage? Probably in the same place it was when Mr Hannity was reading aloud from Hillary Clinton's private emails after they were leaked several years ago. By the way, he did not say the same thing in his texts that he said on the air on January the 6th. Then he was busy stoking the notion that some of the rioters on Capitol Hill may not have been Trump supporters at all. Here he is on the air that night. We also knew that there's always bad actors that will infiltrate large crowds. I don't care if they're radical left, radical right, I don't know who they are, they're not people I would support. There is, of course, no evidence that Antifa or other left-wing groups in any way infiltrated Donald Trump's baying mob. The country will soon mark the first anniversary of that dark day. Its portents for the future direction of American democracy continue to play out in the public arena. Still, at least we've all got Christmas to celebrate. And thanks to Newsmax TV presenter Mike Huckabee this week, we all found out who to thank for that. America had gone through a long period where people quit saying Merry Christmas. It was all happy holidays. You deliberately changed that and openly said, Merry Christmas, we're going to say it again. It was part of my campaign. My campaign of the country had started with this woke, I guess, uh, a little bit before that. Yeah. And it was embarrassing for stores to say Merry Christmas. You'd see these big chains, they want your money, but they don't want to say Merry Christmas. And they'd use reds and they'd use whites and snow, but they wouldn't say Christmas. When I started campaigning, I said, you're going to say Merry Christmas again. And now people are saying it. Absolute nonsense. In my neck of the woods this week, I discovered that you've got to articulate your holiday messages personally because one of the main alternative avenues has been unexpectedly cut off. I'll let you into a secret. Every night, Eddie Mayer goes home and looks wistfully at his letterbox, wondering to himself, where, oh where, is my Christmas card from Simon Marks? Well, my local post office no longer appears to be selling stamps. No, really, they've run out and they can't tell any of us when they'll be getting fresh supplies. I mean, it's not as though they had any warning that thousands of people in suburban Washington at this particular time of year would all be looking for stamps, so it's all perfectly understandable. There is a supply chain crisis after all. So, finally, I have an excuse not to send Christmas cards, but instead to send this one out to Eddie Mayer and everyone else from The Carpenters. Merry Christmas to Simon Marks. His American Week is back in two weeks' time in the new year, but he will be joining me here on LBC on Boxing Day for a special edition. <laughs> I laugh. A special edition of the Eddie Mayer Show. I'm Eddie Mayer, by the way. This is LBC. I'm Eddie Mayer.